On today's episode, Dave interviews Kevin McDonald. Kevin is a stand-up, a voiceover artist, and a founding cast member of Kids in the Hall, the HBO sketch comedy show produced by SNL's Lauren Michaels. On location at the LA Comedy Improv Fest, I'm Ian Foley, this is ADD Comedy. The stuff that you've done doesn't matter as much as the journey that you've you've gone on to get here. Right, because the stuff I've done isn't that good. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> um, I don't know that I've ever seen any of the stuff that you've done. Uh, you know what, I always thought I was a body of work guy. I always thought that even in the early days, uh, since we're having a conversation, I'll speak over you. We're having a conversation. Uh, we're at a it's party. It's a conversation. I can speak over you. Yeah. Uh, in the early days uh-huh. of uh, the kids in the hall, um, when we were uh, doing... You were in the kids in the hall? I, apparently, yeah. I gotta do my I research. don't really remember. I got to do research. <laughs> there were eight of us, I remember, uh, and uh, we were uh, doing a thing called theater sports in Toronto. And uh, I saw guys become like, well, stars in the small theater sports world right away. And I always, um, it took me like four or five weeks for people to start liking me instead of like one moment. And I always thought that, oh, I'm a, I'm a body of work guy. So, uh-huh. so I'm building that, and by the time I'm 85, Frank Lloyd Wright did his best work at 78. 78 specifically? 78? Well, I made that up, but he was in his 60s and 70s when he did his best work. Right, right. He died the year that I was born. I had nothing to do with it, Kevin. I, I just want you to know that. Well, I, I did blame you. Are you, are you. are you a Prairie-style guy? Is that, do you know that? What's that? What's a Prairie-style guy? If you talk about Frank Lloyd Wright, you're entering a, a realm that I'm about to talk to you about. Well, I saw a documentary of him on PBS. So did I. Yes. He was a douchebag. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was a, a really He was a weird guy. guy. He was a weird guy. He was a mean man. Yeah. Like, he fucked women over and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. and wasn't there a weird murder? In it? Like, he there had nothing to do with murder. it. But it wasn't was a regular murder. Yeah, it was a weird murder. It was a weird murder. <laughs> it wasn't a normal murder. No, it wasn't a normal murder. It wasn't a regular murder. It was like something with snakes and guns. It, and then, it was a weird murder. But yeah. he wasn't at the house. He had nothing to do with it. But it was was his second wife or something? Something like that. There was a lot of stuff going on. It was like a, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's a weird guy. I'm, I'm getting into Bob Dylan. I'm into weird guys. And, he, and I didn't know that he was weird. I thought that it was like he was posing. We're having a conversation. We don't talk about the kids in the hall. Who We're are not they anyway? At all. But, but, oh, so you're just getting into Bob Dylan right well, now? Well, now I'm, I've always been, but now I'm super like getting every album and stuff. Um, are you, are, have you read any stuff that he's written? I, I, Chronicles. I, Chronicles. I, I did read Chronicles. Did you like that? I did like it. Chronicles, oh, Chronicles. is a uh, book that but Bob Dylan wrote about himself. Chronicles one. One, because there's no two. Not yet. Not yet. He said he's going to do another one. You know what I don't believe? That. (laughs) That is also what I don't believe because it's been too long and. uh, Right. But it was good. It was almost like a work of fiction in a way. Like what he did. This is boring. Uh, He. um, It's always interesting to say something boring. (laughs) This is boring. Uh, If uh, he. He sort of wrote like out of order. He wrote like a lot about his uh, early 60s in New York. And then for some reason he jumps to 1987 for a chapter. Then, then he jumps to uh, like another year. He, he says like three times, he writes about three periods. But he does it very poetically, like his lyrics and his songs. And it's, it's, it's quite fascinating. I love he's it. About I, it. Love, I love his work. Yeah. I love who he is. I love that that bounced around. I also loved in that book, I don't know if, you ever, if anybody's read it. Anybody? Just me and you. Just me and you and me. Um, so in this book, he says something like, I, I hated touring, I couldn't stand touring. And then he talks to Jerry Garcia, who says, yeah. look, dude, just chill out and enjoy the touring. And what he did was he went, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. Oh, yeah. And I love that he said, in the, he knows that he pinpoints it. What was it, in 1997 or 1987? He, uh, he wanted to quit touring. And then something happened. He had an epiphany uh, where he learned a trick. And he's, uh, the trick, because he, I sort of uh, relate to this, though I'm not Bob Dylan. I'd love to be the Bob Dylan of comedy, but where he... Um, the Bob Dylan of comedy. comedy? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> talk and talk, I guess I'm the Bob Dylan. He goes, uh, whether he's on or off that night, he can rely on a trick to do like a good show. 
And uh, I would love that. What trick? What's the trick? Yeah, he won't tell. He won't say oh, what okay, it is. Fine, 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 fine. He won't say what something. Right. And he said one night it failed him. Then he got another epiphany about another trick, right? Or something. But uh, I'm crazy enough that I think about things like that because uh, I feel that um, like the stand-up thing I'm doing tomorrow night here. Um, it's not jokes, and I have to be on every night to do it. And you can't what does be that on. Mean? You have to be on every night to do it. I have to be funnier than my material. Got it. And uh, and I th even though Bob Dylan's material is great, he can. Um, he can be so bad, he can ruin the material. So he had, it's very important for him to be on. And I, I feel that way too, that, uh, that I have to be funnier than my material every night. And, and so I would like a trick like that. But, uh, because I feel like I'm, uh, I'm sort of a, I, I, like a guy that goes on soul and emotion and feeling and it has to feel right all the time. Whereas like Dave Foley, he's just funny all the time. Is he funny all the time? Dave Foley is a seven and a half out of 10 all the time. And I'm either one or nine. You're either one or nine, I'm or either, either one. one or nine. <laughs> either um, uh, so tomorrow you're doing stand-up, which is really... I might be a one. But really, stand-up's all balls out, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. all balls out. And what I like about going back to Bob Dylan is... He's over there, he's, ladies and gentlemen. He's uh, going later. back to Bob Dylan, uh, there was an interview that he did in Rolling Stone about... Because uh, I'm a big Dylan fan. It's an interview he did in Rolling Stone about... Uh, I read them all. Did you read the last interview you did in Rolling Stone? Yes, I did. Where he essentially said, I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about me and whatever your story is that I am or whatever it is that you think this music is about, yeah. it's not, and I don't give a shit. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, yeah. And because if you can live your life like that by saying, I'm going to do, and this is what Dylan does that I love. He says, this is who it is that I am and you take me or you don't take yes, me. Yes, that's true, that's true. And as we keep doing this, as we keep doing the work that, that we're all doing and everybody's doing and whoever's listening to this is doing, it's that idea of, I'm going to do this, and if I'm going to try to do this, and Dylan's really good at this, to make you happy, I'm fucked. Exactly. And I'll make you happy only if I make myself happy. That's the best kind of happy I can make you. And when I watch somebody on stage, yeah. I want to go, I'm not here for you to make me happy. Right. I want to watch you do what you do, because that's what I'm paying you exactly. to do. Exactly. Uh, the early days of Kids in Hall, I'm going to relate it back to the Kids in Hall every now and then. Yeah. As uh, if that's part of your life. I guess it's the only part of my life. Right. Um, when we first got discovered in Toronto as a stage troupe in the mid-80s, uh, before the TV show, but Did it helped Andrew, us leave the TV Alexander show. Did Andrew have anything to do with that, or am I just... After we got discovered, he tried to do a TV show with us, but it was frustrating for him, because we didn't know what the show was yet. Right. So he couldn't spend too much Andrew, time Alexander was the uh, is the owner of Second City. Second City, exactly. Right. Um, uh, the, the review that we got from the guy in the Globe and Mail, the big newspaper in Canada, um, it, we got a great review. Uh, was it a live show at that? It was point a live show. Right. It was a live show, and that's what got Lauren Michaels attracted to us. Uh -huh. He uh, he said um, they assume the audience is as smart as they are, and of course we never like we're not pompous enough to think that. But uh, but that was naturally what was happening, I guess. And we, well, if we, you we didn't, that quote. then the material wouldn't be as as. If you if you didn't think that the audience was that you were on par with the audience or that you were even below the audience's yeah. intelligence, you wouldn't do half the shit that was so fucking funny in the show. Well, the, the trick is that you had to be naive and innocent and stupid. We don't think anything we do is weird or shocking. Right. We just do because that's what we come up with. Right. It's the stuff that you do, yeah. and that's your voice, and that's who it is that you we're are. We're so excited. I hope you're half as excited as we are. Welcome to my world. This, one, this, is, this, this is de rigueur for me, man. I, this is the way that I live my life. But but go. That idea, because I think a lot of people are going, oh, who is it that I am, especially out here. And you've been out here for a long time, haven't you? Uh, I, I was here for a long, long time, for like 14 years, and the, but I'm living in Winnipeg because I fell in love with a dancer. Mm -hmm. Named Paula. <laughs> Name what? Modern dancer. <laughs> people always say that, like they always think of like it's uh, something dirty. No, modern dancer. Uh -huh. And modern dance is like sketch comedy. It started, no, it's like, uh, it's like, it, that it's like, uh, well, it's got no comedy, but it's got uh, like ideas. 
It's a, it's about movement uh, ideas and movement. I know what dancing is. What do you think of modern like, dance? Modern I know what modern dance, dance is too. I'm like, but you don't know what I think about it. So no, well, okay, right, right. But you could go dancing. I thought you were gonna dance. Easy like walking, but they, you do it. To you use music your feet. Rhythm, uh, right? exactly. Sometimes your arms are exactly. <laughs> and people do it together. Sometimes they do it by yes. themselves. Yes. Um, uh, uh, what what in this relationship that you have with this modern dancer? What is it that uh, are you getting more into modern dance then? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to. No, I, I enjoy it. Oh yeah, no, I enjoy it. Like I, I'm not gonna like start it. <laughs> I'm not gonna start modern day. No, she she did do a show where uh, it was very conceptual, it was like sketch comedy, where the, as the audience came in, I was just on stage holding flowers, uh -huh. and that was like the, that was her idea. And I was just, it was like a conceptual thing that I that I dug. Uh, and so I you stood there, and she worked around you in that. Dug. Is that what we're looking at right now? Yes. That, that you you held the flowers. I'm holding flowers, and I looked like a uh, sad clown. Right. And, uh, right. <laughs> and then through uh, her solo that she did like an hour later, uh, like into the show, I walked with flowers, we looked at each other, and I kept going on. And uh, so uh, that was my extent of modern dance. But it's like the ideas that I like about it. But I'm sorry I interrupted something you said about this modern dance. Oh ADD. yeah, in LA. This it's is called ADD comedy, so it can go any fucking place that it has yes. to go. It's and a that conversation, apparently. Right, right. So uh, uh, you lived there for 14 years, and then you, was it, what was it like for you, because I know somebody who just moved back to Chicago right. from here. Right. Um, and what was it like for you to go, I'm gone, I'm leaving? Oh, it was totally bizarre, but uh, it would have been bizarre if I thought about it, but I was just following, like, uh, like uh, I, I don't know another way to say it, so I'm gonna say it a hokey way. I guess I was following my heart. Right. Um, There's nothing wrong with that, because that's that's what we do anyway, That's right? what we do, but that's it sounds hokey. I was following my well, heart. Well, if you want to say it's hokey, then I'm, then call me uh, call me Hokey Carmichael. It sounds like a uh, Hokey Carmichael. Well, right. there, there's a... See what it did there? It sounds like a theme song from a Richard Gere movie from 1983. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I hokey. followed my heart! And, uh, oh, but the movie I, Follow but, Your Heart by, with Richard Gere. Without Gere. thinking, I followed my heart. Right. And then uh, I started taking a few but years off. That's a off. huge thing to do. To, to it was like, huge. But again, like the kids in the hall and their ideas, I wasn't thinking that it was weird talking. Yeah. I should know this group, right? <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> um, but 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 the kids in the hall, like yes. you, like watching, like having watched you guys for so long, and yes. and and there's there's just something so love, wonderfully idiosyncratic about what you guys are doing, yes. and also yes, some awesomely that. silly <laughs> shit that you do. Yeah. I mean, most of it You're, just silly, fucking silly, silly, silly. You don't care. Yeah, but uh, I, I had this quote in, uh, 20 years ago that I think uh, the kids in the hall agree with. Uh, if Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lewis had children, it would be the kids in the hall. Right. Uh, conceptual right. but stupid. That's the most fun humor, though. Conceptual yeah. but stupid. I love Jerry Lewis. I love Andy Kaufman, and I, and I see the link between them. I don't know if anyone else would uh, want to. There's but probably I, more of a connection between Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lewis than there are between, say, uh, two other iconic. Yeah. Um, Comedians. Yes, for yes. I don't know, I know what anybody wants to see uh, the, the love child of Jack Benny and Bob Hope. I was going to say Jack Benny! I was, I swear to God. Uh -huh. And then I didn't. I'm sorry, we're boring and loud. I'm so sorry. And we're talking about old dead people. We're excitedly boring. Jack and loud. Benny! Oh Jack my God, Jack Is there anyone here who hasn't heard of Jack Benny? Yes. yes. Jack Benny. Haven't? Like, haven't heard him? But, but the thing is that I love about Jack Benny is, is you look at Jack Benny right now and you say, there was a guy named Jack Benny. Yeah. Right, and his whole thing was, and what I love about Jack Benny is there's this awesome slowness in his comedy. Oh yeah, absolutely slow. Uh, I think rivaled a little by Bill Murray. Uh, Bill Murray brought slowness back into comedy a little bit in the 80s, but, right. but no one is slower than Jack Benny. And uh, Jack Benny, until Lucille Ball broke the record, 
What's that? Jack Benny had the longest pause in, uh, in, in comedy history to get a laugh. It was in his radio show. Can I be boring and tell it? Uh, there's nothing boring. I don't, I don't involve myself boring. in anything boring. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Jack Benny, uh, first you have to know his character, that um, one of his character traits, uh, as his character in the show, was uh, very cheap. He was very cheap. So in the radio show, uh, he's walking Read along the street. Jewish. Yeah, go ahead. He's walking, he's walking along the street, and, uh, and a crook comes to him, and you know that he pulls his gun out and says, uh, your money or your life? And there's a long, long pause, which gets a laugh. And then he says, uh, I'm thinking it over. Which is like, I got a giant, it's one of the biggest laughs in comedy. Right, I'm right? thinking, it hit decibels, I'm like the thinking. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And he was always have a, a violin and a bow, and I don't know that he ever played it. Henny Youngman did the same thing. Yes. Where Henny Youngman had a violin and a bow. And I think apparently Jack Benny was good at the violin, but uh, played it badly on purpose, I think. Right. I think. All, all that stuff is, I, I find that so interesting. I find comedy so interesting. I find the, the evolution of comedy so interesting. Here's the boring, interesting thing about the kids in the hall. Uh, as, as weird and wild as we are, right. we're firmly entrenched in the roots of comedy. Marx Brothers, right. Jack Benny, Buster Clearly. Keaton. Uh, yeah. Right. Right, right. But also... Because you have to know like, the rules to break them. I always say this in workshops. You have to know the rules to break them. You say that in workshops? All the time. And you're, and you're Seven or eight times. Right. And then, until people leave. I hope leave. you say other things as well. <laughs> no, that's basically what I say. You should say more things. People are paying money for that. <laughs> well, um, but you also, like, like, you guys are also not just that, but you also are... Uh, there, there's some uh, <laughs> Laurel and Hardy Love that's them, going yeah. on there. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. There are there's some... Absolutely. Um, Charlie Chaplin Absolutely. that's going on Absolutely. in what you're doing. Um, and obviously Woody Allen. Right, 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 right. Oh my God, you guys, shut up. You're sitting right here. I can't <laughs> believe it. This is so boring. Yeah. In an exciting Christ, way. Just end it right yeah, away. In an exciting way. Um, but all, but the, uh, so when you were growing up, yes. did you go, did you go to the, did you, uh, did you watch these silent movies? Did you watch the Oh yeah, like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I couldn't get enough of that shit. I just oh, fucking yeah. couldn't get enough. And oh I, yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering if, if, uh, the, uh, if people here at I.O., which is where we are right now, if people oh. here at I.O., because people don't know, um, uh, have, have watched the Laurel and Hardy, have watched Abbott and Costello, have watched Harold Lloyd, all these guys just killed me when I was growing up. Oh, yeah. And uh, some of them are timeless. Buster Keaton, like, that's right. Foley and I's uh, our favorite. He's timeless. You are. You have a very Buster Keaton quality to you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Right. <laughs> so does Dave. I always think Dave does. Uh, well, you and you and Dave. You, you and Dave started Kids in the Hall together, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. We were the. Uh, well, there were two troops, and our troop was the troop that was actually called the Kids in the Hall. So uh, even though Mark and Bruce's troop started a year earlier than us. I guess you could call us the founders because we had the one with the name that, right. that we stuck it's with. It's a good name. It is. Bruce so hated it. Bruce said, "All right, we'll call it the Kids in the Hall, but only for a few months, so we think of a better name." Because I hate it. <laughs> True story. But it's also it, it, it's K I T H. Yeah, Kith. Kith in the Hall. It's like a kiss, a gay kiss cover band. Exactly. <laughs> Kith. Right. Right. It's like that. It's not that, but it's like that. Um, did you do you like when that when your show ended? Um, what did you go? What did you? Where did you go? What did you do the moment that, that when that show ended? Uh, immediately, I uh, started a movie called uh, National Lampoon Senior Trip. Mm -hmm. Th that was uh, very nice to do because it was a shot a block away from my house, so I could uh, wa walk <laughs> back and forth. <laughs> wow, to be so close! I live a block away from nice. Paramount Studios, and I'm waiting for them to like to hire you, yeah, yeah, so like, then I can do a, a Star Trek I, movie. So I, I would have a drive on. Yes. I still live a block away, but I live in fucking LA. I'm not walking there. I understand. I'm gonna drive. 
I know, I'm always funnier closer to my bed. I always, uh, I always think the closer to, I am to my bed, I'm, I'm, I'm funnier. Have you thought about like opening up a venue closer to your bed? Yeah, <laughs> yes. Dave and I always wanted to start a uh, like uh, an old movie theater, but uh, they don't exist anymore. Old movie theaters. I mean, do. a movie theater shows old movies. What's it called? Right. Uh, right. Uh, Search Lenar. Revival. Revival. Right. Thank you very much. Yeah. A revival. There is one out here, you know. There's the silent movie theater. Is this still going on? Yes, it is. It's big. It's bigger than ever. Really? Yeah, it's bigger than ever. Because it always has trouble, and then. Uh... Well, you know what happened there? The owner was murdered. I in yes. The of a mo in yes. the movie. Yes. Yes, I, I know. know this. But he was murdered by an ex-lover or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, and I know that. that guy who was killed. It was awesome because um, it was well, not that he was killed, but it was. Uh, I remember going before he was killed. A couple years when I first came here, I went with my uncle, and my uncle is not a very good person to go to a movie with because he's very uh, loud. Um, and uh, you go, uh, 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 uh. in a silent movie, like shut up, Mark, stop it. But the guy would come to he would he would come in silent movie, and the lights would come down, the lights would come up, and he would go right on the stage and he'd go. Um, the movie that you're about to see is called Modern Romance. It's with Gloria Swanson. It was filmed in 1924. Um, it was one of the last. Um, and he was just like this fucking awesome queen yeah. talking so much about this movie. And he wore capes sometimes, right? Yes, That's what I remember. He yeah, he yes, he did. Yes, he did. He was awesomely flaming. It's like, yeah. and what you're going to see, and I think we're going to love it, and what we have here is we have got um, Kyle Laborn on the Wurlitzer, ladies and gentlemen. And we'd all clap. He's like, let's watch it. And you're like, oh, my God. I love that guy so much. And they have the organ. Uh, once I was at the theater and Mel Torme was there. And he um, shut up, I, Mel Torme. I will not shut up. Mel Torme was. It's a conversation. How can I shut up? Mel Torme was there, and he started choking on popcorn. And for a half hour, <laughs> and I said, "Wow, that's Mel Torme coughing up popcorn." I would pay to watch story. that. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was sort of surreal. Sort of surreal. <laughs> Mel, Mel Torme coughing up popcorn is not sort of surreal. <laughs> it's it's totally surreal. surreal. He's the velvet fog. Does anyone know who Mel, uh, Mel Torme is? Of course they do. Yeah. We, have a we have a very intelligent audience. Yeah, excellent. Uh, well, even that one person that was here yesterday, he had enough intelligence for 15 times the people that he was. Good math. You're very yeah. good at math. Yeah. yeah. So how did, wait, wait. So Mel Torme was there talking or what? No, no, he was just watching the movie. He was just like uh, with his popcorn watching the movie. And you're all going, that's Mel Torme choking on popcorn. Yeah. Well, or I was anyway. Choking on popcorn? No, no, I was uh, thinking of Mel Torme's. But I, like being out here and, and the fact that I remember moving out here and thinking, so many famous dead people are here. Yeah. <laughs> I hope to be one of them one day. <laughs> no, you're gonna, no, I think you're going to be buried in Winnipeg uh, with your modern dancer. Uh, I, I, I wish that for you. I was, yeah. Is she here? I really no, wish no. that for you. I do. I do. Uh, thank you very much. With tap shoes on. Thank you very much, I think. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, thank nothing you wrong much. with that at all. And so, so when you came out here, did, you've worked a lot. You've been working a lot. Yeah, yeah, for a while, yeah. But you're working now. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, for sure. It's just a few years I took off in Winnipeg. Uh-huh. And when you, when you moved up to Winnipeg, you're uh, following your heart. That was the most important <laughs> thing at that moment, was to follow your heart and not to, and, and whatever's going to happen in terms of, and the only reason I'm asking this is, I'm kind of going through this myself. So the idea of, I'm thinking about moving away from L.A. Uh, because I, it's an evolution. And again, following your heart is a beautiful thing to do. I'm thinking about moving right. up to San Francisco. Just cause. Right? 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 Great city. A place to live. You guys, I'll talk to you later. So it's the idea of moving up there because to follow your heart and go, whatever journey it is that I think that I'm on, I get to have the journey that's going to happen to me. Exactly. That's smart. 
No, that is. I'm a smart guy. Fifteen people agree. That's uh, that's smart. Yes. <laughs> Not fifteen millions. <laughs> Fourteen people. Sorry. Agree. Right. 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 But at, at the same. T so when you went up there, did you worry about working? I wasn't thinking about working. Right. But <laughs> look at Kevin. That's fucking awesome. Like you didn't think about working. You just felt that you were following your heart. Yeah. In retrospect, it probably wasn't such a good idea. But uh, but my, as Elvis Costello says, uh, my aim was true. Right. Yes. Right. And so when your aim is true, everything else kind of falls into place, doesn't it? We'll see, yes. Well, it has right now, hasn't it? Sure. <laughs> you keep looking out there like, like somebody's out there that you're no, talking no, to. No, like we're talking to all these people. But the, the idea of following your heart, I think, is really, really important. Because that's, that's what brought me here. Well, let's hope that's important and it's not just romantic. Uh, and I don't mean romantic in the love sense. I mean uh, romantic in the, the, the way you call good fiction romantic. Uh, I, I hope that, that it is important and not just, uh, I'm just going to repeat myself. <laughs> and no, go ahead. And, and, and not just a romantic notion. Uh-huh. I've never been to Winnipeg. It's uh, the coldest city in North America that has a population of over 500,000. Uh-huh. It has the coldest uh, and the windiest uh, street corner in North America called Portage in Maine. It's illegal to cross the street. Uh, because people were being blown into cars and trucks all the time. Uh, <laughs> it's true, so they built an underground now. There's an underground. Portage uh, in Maine sounds like that would be a good a movie or a play. Well, uh, Neil Young and Randy Bachman had a hit in, in, in Canada with a song, Port 14 Below, Portage in Maine, 14 Below, Portage in Maine. You've got Randy Bachman, who would be Bachman down here, That's right. and you have Neil Young. We have Neil Young. Crazy. Yes. Did yeah. you read his book? I did read his book, and he says the address of where he grew up from 12 to, uh, 12 to 19, right. and it's just a few blocks away from where I live. So I got my Neil Young CD, and I, uh, and I, I wanted something magical to happen, so I, I, I sat in front of the house. It was a house I drove by all, like, all the time. I didn't know it was a house. And I waited for something. I put on the Neil Young CD, and nothing happened. I felt nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I felt nothing. Well, not nothing. It was happened. just a normal happened, Winnipeg house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you want to be it inspired. was a normal Winnipeg house. Yeah. And no great ideas came to me or no, uh, no, no, no. The book is um, I forgot the name of the book. It's not. Uh, it's sort of a crazy book with good moments. It's it's like a conversation. Like yeah. you're having a conversation. And there's also a point where I want to go. Neil, shut up! Don't talk about that. No, 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 no. Please, not another chapter about cars. That's like oh, right, I don't chapter. want to hear another thing about cars. Cars and music. I don't <laughs> care. Or the about sound about the sound that you're going to change the way that he talks about certain people like you don't have to name that person's name you're naming that person's name don't name that person's name but still when he talks about meeting Stephen Stills and Rick James that's so the stuff read I read the book yeah oh, no I read the book you I, read I, the book yeah no that's how I got the name of the street it was called um I'll never forget I'll never remember because it makes no sense right <laughs> the name but I love that book I loved it and I could not stop reading it I couldn't stop reading it but I only loved parts of it um I agree with you I agree with you as well. Yes. That, that it, like there's certain parts where I'm going, no more. Yeah, right. No more about cars. No Please more about cars. About, right. No more about the electric bolts or whatever it's called, the Lincoln bolt or whatever that's about. Yeah. About. yeah. But I, what I love about Neil Young is what I love about Bob Dylan. It's what I love about um, so many people. Elvis Costello to a certain point too. Like the reinvention of who it is that we are. The idea that, and I love that the, how Neil talks about Neil. He's my buddy, right? Um, well, how Neil Young uh, 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 talks about uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash right. saying that they're dinosaurs and he left them by the side of the road in that right, book right. saying, you know what, they're just dead weight to me. I think that that's how he put it. Yeah. And the idea After of, complimenting them, but that's why he was worried. He would compliment them greatly and then say that. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. And, and at that point, we've got to know, I mean, for me, I feel like I get to reinvent myself. You went up to Winnipeg 
to, to follow your heart and your aim is true and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but the, the but at the end of the day, you did what you felt you had to do because I think a lot of people hang here longer than in LA or wherever they're going to be doing, hang here longer than is, uh, 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 their ego says hold off here and then they become it becomes right. sad. Well, I, I'm obsessive and I was compelled. But the king of reinventing themselves is uh, Bob Dylan. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's why they did that movie, I'm Not There, where six different actors played Bob oh, Dylan. Oh, I love that movie Cause so Because there's a different Bob. There's the folky Bob Dylan. Right. Then he becomes a different guy, the go-electric Bob Dylan. Right. And then I'm in a motorcycle accident. I'm going to be a family guy for a few years, Bob Dylan. Right. And then I'm going like, uh, to go on tour again and have orgies because my wife just left me Bob Dylan. There's like so many different Bob Then the religious Bob Dylan. Ugh. I mean, there's But they're all Bob Dylan, though. Right, right. But the thing is like... Sorry about talking about Bob Dylan so but, much. But, he, but I'm never going to apologize. He's so Canadian. So <laughs> sorry that, that Canadian. No, sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. I mean, so, like, I, I forget, I'm talking to a Canadian, I have to talk differently. I once mentioned it before, there was a Canadian that I had in one of my classes, I'm like, get angry, get angry, get angry, and it's like, all right, I was like, call her a name, and he goes, ah, you, um, you, you spendthrift. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and I mentioned it before in a podcast where I was like, I didn't ask you to be angry in 1850. I wanted you to be angry now. Um, That's but, very bad in Canada. <laughs> That's, That's very like, bad. Oh! What did you call me? Back up there. Um, but I look at all those guys and I feel like, like, we get to unfold, unfurl, and evolve. We get to evolve, you know? And whatever it is that, because you, you, you got kids in the hall, but for me, right. kids in the hall is so great, but that's not the way that I see you. I mean, I see you as having that in your history, but I also see you as an artist and a comedian, the fact that you're doing stand-up, but a different kind of stand-up, right? Yeah, it's sort of like, like I, I don't play someone else. I'm like Kevin McDonald, but I'm sort of playing a guy who's doing stand-up for the first time and having trouble doing it. Right. Which is the truth. And is this, is this, this whole, <laughs> and when it's a truth, it becomes easier to do. Truth comedy is the, the best, you know, people always say that, oh, it's funny because it's true, because, right. uh, but the truth comedy, it, that's totally true. It is funnier because it's true. I right. Think. And I think it's also easier to create because you're coming from a place of truth as yeah. opposed to a place of cleverness where it's like, I gotta, Excuse me, I gotta figure out how to figure it out. If you gotta figure it out, don't fucking do it. Well, I find the best uh, things that I write are things that I take the truth and I use my imagination with it. Cleverness, uh, truth plus cleverness equals my favorite kind of comedy. Right, I but I think that a lot of people just go to cleverness, and yeah. then when you go to cleverness, I feel like that's where the work comes in, and yeah. I don't want this to be work. I mean, I want right, to right. work, but I don't want this to be work. And if it's just cleverness, you laugh a lot, then you forget about it late in a couple of days. I totally agree, and that's the thing that I have with a lot of, um, where I watch a lot of improv and I walk out and I go, that was really, I, I think I laughed. Right. And it's sort of like you inviting me over for dinner and then me walking home and going, I, I'm still hungry and remembering, oh yeah, you just gave me Pringles. Right. I didn't have turkey. <laughs> right. I had Pringles and, and Cheetos. I got full, but. Right, exactly, exactly. And I, I know I laughed, but I can't remember why. Right, right. And, and I think that a major part of, of all that, of, of, of certainly what you guys did and what you're talking about doing right now is the humanity of it all, the realness, the fact that I can look at you and go, I know what that feeling is like, right. I've been there. Um, uh, uh, what was, uh, I, I watched a, a video of, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what's it, the promise guy, Dean? King of Empty Promises. King of Empty Promises. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys have seen that. Um, That's a character I do in the show where I promise things to go, we'll do. And right. Then mm -hmm. when I don't do it, I go, slip my mind. 
Right. And I'm looking at that and I'm going, I know that guy, I know that guy, I know that guy. And when we look at those sort of things, or when we're basing, when we're starting, when, when we're creating material, to create it from something that actually has happened. Right, right. And the truth is, <laughs> the truth is, that the truth is that uh, that's me. The truth me. is one more. The right? truth is that the truth is that it's me, that, the, that I am the king of empty promises. Uh-huh. And, and the thing is, though I realized um, he's more cruel, uh, I actually mean every empty promise I made. At the moment, I think uh, I'm so hopeful. I, 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 yeah, of course I can do that. And then an hour later, it's not important to me, and I forget it naturally. And <laughs> it slips so, your mind. It's, it's, it naturally does slip my mind. Right. So it is. And uh, the guy I wrote it with, Norm Hiscock, it was his idea. He came to the, my cubicle where the kids would all each had a cubicle in our office one day, and he said, We should write a scene about how you always promise things and never come through. Right. And the first, I spent the first 30, uh, 30 seconds going, what? What are you, what are you talking right. about? Right. And then the, the next 30 seconds, going, yeah, you're right. Let's write. <laughs> because it's easy to do that because you go, yes, I do that. And yeah. once you jump on that, yeah. and I love the blow of that. I live in Winnipeg. Did you tell me I lived in Winnipeg? I thought that was a really great blow to that. And I was before like, I even moved to Winnipeg, 100 years before right, I moved to Winnipeg. Right, yeah. right, right. We so, had a lot of Winnipeg references in our shows, people tell me. Uh, there's something people bring up all the time, the Bruce sketch about a, a chick uh, dancing in a bar in Winnipeg. And, uh, and people... <laughs> and for me, I don't even... You know, for me, you go, Winnipeg. I know that... Cal Cal Calgary is yeah. like Texas. Yep. Right? Um, and I have friends in Toronto who are great. I love your I love your Toronto. Right. I love what you did with Toronto. Thank you very Was much. Is it your idea? It is, but it, yeah. <laughs> I said let's make it clean, keep it, right, keep exactly. it tight. Yeah. It's really good and the food yeah. is really good. Polite but without much soul. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Did you do did you do a, you must have did a lot. You did a lot in Toronto. Like We did everything in Toronto. We right. uh, we, we well Dave and uh, Scott and I grew up in Toronto. Uh, Mark and Bruce moved to Toronto, and then we were a Toronto troupe, and we uh, we we shot the show in Toronto, we shot the movie in Toronto. Right. It was all Toronto. Right. And that's why we got to do what we got to do in the show because we were in Toronto, and no executive wanted to fly there to. to uh, <laughs> not that Toronto's a bad place, but it's so far. Nobody wanted to go so far to like take uh, care of us. So Who's, when you say to, when you say uh, executives, are you talking about executives, American executives? You're talking about American executives. Uh, the HBO executives came once a year. Lord Michaels, even though he's from Toronto, only came once a year. Right. And the CBC executives, they were uh, uh, from Toronto. They were there. They worked and lived in Toronto, but they were uh, too overwhelmed by the Americans, so they did what the Americans did, and they, just, and they were afraid of us. They, uh, they let us be. We were, um, we were a mean bunch led by Bruce McCullough, who, who's a <laughs> tiny little prick. Right. Yeah, right, 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 right. He's right. here right now, actually. <laughs> and the, uh, so, so you're saying that because you were up there, you're sort of like on an island, and people let you do what it is that you wanted to do. Yeah, a vacuum. And there's something lovely about the idea, like, we are able we're so to... so lucky. What's that? We were so lucky. Yeah, I understand. Because at Second City, when I was at Second City, we had uh, I, I, I was at Second City um, uh, on the suburbs, and nobody paid attention to us. And right. we did some awesome work out there. Right, right. Because we didn't have the pressure of whatever that was going to be. I don't feel that pressure anyway. But we didn't have the pressure of, oh, it's got to be this, and your Second City, and all that sort of stuff. And, and well, we were so lucky because we weren't about ratings because we never got any ratings. Right. We're, everybody kept us on the air for two reasons. We got good reviews and uh, everybody wanted to work with Lauren Michaels. Right. So um, we were allowed to, we got five years uh, and we, we could do whatever we wanted because no one cared enough about us. How did that, so, so you've got all of that. How did that help you find your voice? Well, it, it, it totally, that's how I got my voice. Right. <laughs> I and mean, that's how we all got our voice. Like the, uh, 
Um, during the stage years, I wrote less because I was uh, not very confident and I didn't feel I could write. I remember like even before we had a TV show, I remember Dave yelling at the other guys during a writer's meeting, you know Kevin's going to become like the biggest writer in the troupe once uh, we ever get a what TV a show. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but it turned out like, uh, well, true-ish. Like, right. like Bruce was always the biggest writer of the troupe. Um, but uh, be because in the, uh, in the stage days, we wrote, all five of us, we had, like, I, I, had a, I was too shy to like the same ideas, but in the TV show days, we, they put us in a cubicle. Right. Uh, and we uh, we got to write by ourselves, so I could write like 18 pieces of crap a week. A week and oh my god! And just yeah. just crank that shit out. Yeah, because it's, it's a numbers game, right? Kevin? It's a numbers it's game. A numbers it's game. a numbers game, and you find your voice just by writing but volume. Also, but you can't get to that point if you keep going. This isn't going to work. This is going to exactly, work. Exactly. Exactly. And so when you said the lack of self confidence, because I know what that's like. And I, when I was first at Second City, and I did 10 shows there at Second City, and I uh, I did 10 reviews at Second City, and I remember looking at Carell and going, how do you keep doing that? Right. And he kept doing that because he had the confidence to, get to know that it's a numbers game and shit's gonna not right, stick right. and some shit is gonna stick right. and some shit that shouldn't stick is gonna stick. And you go look at that going, all that I can do is unfold, unfurl, and evolve and let myself get out there. That's one thing I was always good at. Um, uh, that, that I was throwing shit. Like I, I brought my six or seven pieces a week to uh -huh. our read-throughs. And um, I was aiming for two or three. You know, it's baseball. If you hit 300, that's amazing. Right. And uh, all you have to do is hit 30%. <laughs> and right. Same, and same with sketch comedy. Uh, all you have to do is hit 30%. And, but I didn't write. After a year or two, I realized don't bring 18 pieces. Uh, that's too much shit. And, and it wears everyone down and it hurts the good stuff. Right. And like, I really learned the game after a while. But you've got to, you've got to play the game to learn the game. Yeah. And I was very lucky that I had a game to play in, yes. And you're also very lucky that you had a group of people who are going, let's go. And, and you're all, yeah. like, probably uh, subdermally, you're all going, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. You in know, a way, like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just as confused as anybody else. Yeah. And so when you're with a group of people like that going, is everybody okay? So okay. Should we get cake? Yeah, let's get cake. Right, right, exactly. Right? You know, and then at that moment you go like you're all in it together. Yeah, yeah. And and the the less that you, I'm sorry, the more the more <laughs> you feel connected, the easier the shit is. Oh, for sure. And also uh, part of that is a competitiveness uh, that that's totally optimistic and good. There's a good competitiveness uh, between us. When somebody wrote something good. It made me think, um, it, it didn't make me jealous or mad that my scene again didn't mean, wow, that's so good. Next week I'm gonna write a scene better than that. God damn, we right? like I think that's so awesome. The idea to look at somebody and to celebrate what it is that they're doing, yeah. as opposed to saying, where's mine? That's one good thing. that We got ugly about other things, but that's the one thing we, we celebrated each other's uh, writing. And uh, so, I mean, sometimes we fought if there's one piece left to go in the show, but, um, but I think we had a, our feet squarely on the ground about what should go in and what should go not and how it should propel our own writing. Right, right. And, 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 and when, and what is that, high tide rises all boats or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. I don't think I've ever used that phrase before. But the <laughs> idea that all of you are having that success. Yeah. And if you want to look at it and go, we're not going anywhere and you're coming with me. I am going and you're coming with me. Yes, now the first year was completely different because the first year when you get a TV show, you assume you're going to be canceled right away. Uh -huh. so, uh, so the first year was the one year where it got ugly, where we fought for our stuff a bit more. I gotta get that scene in because the show may be canceled next week. Right, I mean, I'm the one rescuing. Yeah, I'm the one that's gonna make it happen. Right, that too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So at that moment, and then after that, you go, you know what? It's all gonna work out. Exactly. And everything that is going to happen is supposed to happen. Right. And that's a hard thing for people to realize. It's hard thing for people to realize, and you have to go through it. 
right. to realize it. Because I can't, I can't tell someone now, I can't tell them they have to go through it. Right, I love that. Um, because I, I, and I mentioned this before in the podcast, the idea Sorry, of, pointing. right, right? The idea that like so often I wanna, I wanna stop people and go, okay, welcome to LA. Um, you're gonna have a place to go. I got my hands out, just go, okay, good. Come over here, I wanna buy you a latte. I wanna tell you this. What you think is going to happen is not going to happen. Right. And it's not a bad thing. I also want to tell you this, open your eyes to whatever it's going to be. Your friend who has success, that's their success. Right. You're going to have your own success. The less jealous you can be, the more open it's going right. to be. That shit's going to come to you. Can I tell my Del Close yes, yes. story? <laughs> this leads to my Del Close story. When I was uh, 19, I took a workshop with Del Close. And, um, I'm sorry, uh, where was that? In Toronto, at Second City. Uh-huh. And we um, uh, we were playing a game. I'm gonna tell the long version of the story. Who's but, we? Yeah. Uh, Wait, who's we? The people in the class. Uh, who's we? We're playing. Who's who's we? Uh, the uh, the class, the workshop. Yeah. Um, we were keep uh, talking. John we were so playing. Thank you very much. Really, really good. John we were playing. Thank you very much. How handsome he is. Oh, man. Like yesterday, he didn't have that much hair. I don't know what happened. But anyway, go ahead. So start Hollywood. again. Okay. 19, uh, workshop in 1981. What? No. Uh, or 82. Something what? like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a teenager. Where's I swear. Pardon? Yeah, my boots are from then. I have boots yes. from 81. Right. And then Del Close uh, came to Toronto to teach a workshop. And there were, we played, uh, we, the class, the workshop, had a game to play called Three Entrances and Three Exits. Right. Where you, everyone in the scene had to enter an exit three times and make it known that you were entering and, 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 and exiting. And the scene that I was in was uh, a scene where uh, it was a party before a wedding. I was getting married to this woman. I remember her name was uh, Susan, I forget her last name, who cares? The actress. She became a famous clown in Canada. Uh, <laughs> later, and uh, wait, which one? Which famous clown? Which famous Susan something? Clown Susan something. Right. She, she is a famous Susan clown. Susan Sontag. People that go to clown workshops. Yeah, right. Susan Sontag, the famous clown. Uh, Canadian clown. And her and her family were very mean to me in the in the in the scene. Right. Uh, they were very mean to me, and I was yes, yes, whatever you want. I'm sorry. Yes, dear. Yes. And then um, I did my ex. My first exit was a typical bad one. I said, oh, can you tell me where the uh, where the bathroom is? And they were mean to me and said uh, the door to the left. And then I, I exited. And then my entrance, I came in and I said, uh, I hate those people! Oh, sorry, did you say the door to the left? I'm sorry. <laughs> and then I went in and I got, I got a big laugh and it made the scene go mm. a different direction. And it, it worked very well. And so during the break, I was talking to Don Lake, who was five years I older than me. Don Lake. Don Lake, I of course. Don. Second City guy. The second City guy. Right. Uh, he was just a workshop guy then. Five years ago, Don Lake and I were talking. And Del Close barreled his way through us. He came to me and said, Kevin, what you Kevin. did was... Kevin. Exactly. I can't do the impression, Kevin. but that's exactly it. What you did was perfect. That's exactly what I, what I wanted. Thank you. Then he turned to Don Lake and hired him. <laughs> <laughs> he hired him. Yeah, because Don Lake was five years older than me, right? And he was um, he was like uh, excellent. He was like he was obviously ready to be hired. And Don Lake said, "Sure, sure, I'll, I'll do it." Like he started the, the, the it was Friday, and he was going to start on Monday. Did and Del come out with like W twos? You know, like, <laughs> like, like like no, he came out with like with his glasses like this, and uh, and probably a cigarette, and right. and, and uh, but, the, but the way that I am, I uh, I didn't get jealous or uh, be sad. I thought, oh my God, it's that easy to be discovered. Right. And I think that's sort of the spirit of the kids in the hall in a right. way. Like, oh, I, I, I went home so happy. Is that easy? Because I knew I wasn't ready. I knew I was just like, I was a teenager and I just had potential and, I, and there's no way I knew I was gonna get hired. But it, it, it like inspired me and excited me. I, the idea of, okay, so when, uh, when you have 
when when you're coming into a situation and you're saying this situation is going to work. Yes. That is such an easier way to go into a situation than to go into a situation and say this is going to suck. So when you go into it and saying it's that easy to get hired, then it becomes that easy to get hired. Yeah, but me, I'm complex. I th I go in thinking this might suck, right. but but the back of my mind, I realize it is going to work out. Right. But but, but there's two. Th there's a duality but, but, there. But, but it's the your your fallback. Yeah, <laughs> my fallback fall is that it's going to work. Yeah. Right. Your fallback is it's going to work as yeah. opposed to a fallback was like, what am I going to do? I could always you know uh, yeah. pump shoes. I don't know what pumping shoes is, but you know it's a. Oh, job. it was a very big career in the eighties. <laughs> shoe right. pumping, shoe pumping shoe was very pumping. <laughs> shoe pumping. Shoe pumping. Like I have several bit. friends that are very successful right. shoe, pumpers. shoe pumpers. Of course, uh, it's obsolete now, but it was very big for ninety four. Shoe pumping. You know, yeah. I remember the shoe pumper coming by and the shoe pumper <laughs> and it's like, mom, the shoe pumper. Yeah, you remember like, oh, get, get, get the shoes. Exactly. <laughs> so not those. They were pumped last exactly. week. Exactly. Why are you bringing these? These are already pumped. What do you think? I'm made. Money, it costs nine dollars to pump those shoes. Um, but the idea of coming into it, because when I was at Second City, um, this is what I always felt like if I got hired, great, if I didn't, I love being where it was that I was, right? You know, and um, you guys getting discovered, however, that was, it's not, I don't really want to get into it right now, but however, it was that you got discovered by Lauren Michaels, like that is what happened to you. And if you wanted to go, oh my god, what is this, instead of going, Fuck! Look what it is that we got and oh, yeah. celebrating it. Oh yeah, yeah. It was crazy. It was like uh, on Friday I was a movie usher, and on Monday I was signed with the biggest manager in Canada, and um, or, I mean Toronto, and then Lauren Michaels. It was like it was it was like crazy. It right. happened like, and we did we we were sort of uh, again it was a duality. We were sort of uh, shocked and. And, and sort of shell shocked, and uh, but on the same hand, we we sort of knew it was going to happen in some weird what way. What do you mean you sort of knew that it was going to happen? You know that kind of thing when you hear someone uh, in your family's dead, and you sort of think you knew that was going to happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Uh, but it's like, also we that, sort of knew that was going to happen. And I'm gonna I'm, I'm I'm gonna get a little Southern California here on that, and it's the idea of the okay, visual, dude. Right. Yes. Um, the visualization, the idea that if you say, this is go, I could see this happening to me, yeah. then what you're doing is you're opening yourself up towards that, again, going back to the positiveness of it. Right, all, right. Saying, I can see that happening. Because if you got to go, you know, so many people come here and say, uh, you know what? Everybody's working. You're never going to work. And it's like, you know what? Fuck you. Shut up. Right, that, right. That's not me. Right, that's right. That's not me. I am going to work. Well, that's the thing. I definitely thought that, but uh, in retrospect, everybody thought that, including all the what people do that don't work what? now. Everybody that started uh, the same time as I did, they right. all thought they were funny and they were going to make it. Right. And I was, um, I was Kevin enough to think, what if I'm one of those people? Right. Like, so <laughs> what if I'm, uh, what's his name, Cam Brown, a guy in, in Toronto who thought he was the funniest guy in the world, and on confidence actually went a little far for two years until it all fell apart, then he became a TV salesman. Uh -huh. but, uh, he sold TVs? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Someone's got to do Someone's that, right? Do and thank God, because who would, what would you watch? Exactly. If you're on something, it's like, I, you're on what? How exactly. do I get one of those? We need the, the TV. You got to talk to that guy. And, but I thought, why am I, why am I not Cam Brown? We, he thinks he's funny. I think I'm right. funny. What's different? And then there are certain people that you look at, probably Dave, and you look at, at, at certain people and you go, that person is going to do exactly what they want to do. Right. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Good, that's good. It's good? <laughs> that's good. I did okay. That's good. I know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, I, 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 Unless I'm wrong about myself, 
then I could be wrong about him, which is also something I would think. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's very Kevin of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, I look at I look at all all that work. I look at the, the idea of having the confidence when you come in and say, "This is a journey. I am not going to know what where where I'm going, but I know for sure that I'm enjoying where I am right, right now with the people that I'm with right now." Yes, that's very important. Uh, well, for sure. Uh, and even though, like, on one hand, I remember us thinking that we were going to have a bright future, we also didn't, like, articulate it. It was sort of a feeling that we had. We were, like, concerned with the present, the next Monday show that we were going to do. That's so important, though, to be... The, the idea of being concerned with the present, to be concerned yeah. with the right now, to look at the right now, yeah. because it doesn't matter where you think you're going to go, because, again, that's not where you're going to go. Yeah. Yeah, sure, like when Dave got drunk, he would say, we're the Sex Pistols of comedy, we're gonna go, but uh, still, it was all about the work. Like, right. uh, like, it was always about the work. It's about the work, yeah. because the work is what, what, what gets you all yeah. excited about it. Right, right. You know, and when you guys were doing it, you, oh boy, you really opened up shit for so many other people too. Like the state, and, and like, like those guys. Right. Like, like you, you you got to know this, that you're models for people, you know what I mean? I know, and I, uh, I guess so. It's weird, like, like Toronto has so many sketch troops, and I guess it's because of us, because when we were around, it was like Second City, and a group uh, of 40-year-olds uh, called the Maroons, because they wore maroon sweaters. And <laughs> <laughs> Is that like the Kingston Trio? It's of sort of like the Kingston Trio, yeah. Like, yeah right, right, they were like, folk day comedy. Oh, day yeah. oh. Daylight comment, right? That was sort of what they were like. Right. They, they actually did have crew cuts and... Uh, right, I know. We're right. the Maroons. Yeah, Dave. Hey, Steve. <laughs> I think, I think uh, SCTV did a bit like that. I think it may have been based on the Maroons. Oh, yeah, they were singing, right? The, exactly, yeah, 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 exactly. Right, right. Oh, my God, it's so horrible. And they did. They, have a, they had a piano player. We were the first troupe in Toronto that didn't have a piano player on the side of the stage, <laughs> which we, we right. created. How often did you, did you get together... When you were just a sketch, as a stage troupe, we did a show, a new show of sketches every Monday. Every Monday. Every Monday. So we would start meeting on. We would probably take Tuesday off. We would start meeting in different groups of twos and threes on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday uh -huh. uh, to come up with uh, ideas. Then we would write the show uh, on Saturday and Sunday and sort of rehearse the Monday afternoon and do the show Monday did night. Did you find that, Kevin? Did you find that to be work or did you find that to be joyful? Uh, at that time. You know what? I, I wasted uh, my thought of joyfulness. It should have been joyful. I, I found it. It wasn't that I found it like work. Uh, I was scared and intimidated. Uh, uh -huh. They were all so obviously good. Isn't that funny? They were all so obviously right. good. And uh, I was always uh, questioning myself, like, do I belong with these guys? Sometimes? I totally understand what you're talking about. I, again, because the company that I was with at Second City was Steve Carell, Steve Colbert, Amy Sedaris. Like, and you go, you, you look back at uh, uh, Paul Dinello, and you look back and you go, what the fuck am I doing here? Right, <laughs> right, you know, right. What am I doing here? Why am I here? Right, on the other hand, because I'm also Kevin, I was also arrogant to sometimes think that I was better than them. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's really good. Because so, I would always look back and go, they're going to get laid and I'm not. <laughs> Too much information. <laughs> Cross the line. None of us got laid, so that was easy. <laughs> right, right, right. At least you had each other. Yes. Um, but I'm looking around, like, like all, but, but all of all of that going on, and I'm looking at uh, there was because there was a, a little trio, not a little trio. There was a trio of of Colbert, uh, Paul Dinello, and Amy Sedaris, and those fuckers would work together all the time. Oh, they were good. And we were sort of, we were, not sort of, we were on the... Um, periphery. The periphery. We the were, we were, oh, shut up. <laughs> oh my God, look at me, buddy. Oh, thank you. No, shut up. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you rock so hard. So, um, we just got new drinks. So, to, to look at that and to go, I don't, I, I felt like I was in the periphery of all that. Right. And, 
and but but I also looked at those guys and thought, your work is awesome. Right, right. Well, that's that's great. <laughs> the, right. I, the original Kitchen Hall was Dave Foley, Lou Channel, Casimir, and I. Uh, before we knew about the other guys that came, uh, Mark and Bruce from Calgary, and um, we were a theater sports group, and people were intrigued by us and wanted to. They joined our group every now and then for guest appearances. And I remember it never worked out. And I remember one guy gored something, uh, who Vidal. became a big puppeteer. Uh -huh. Gore Vidal, yeah. Gore Vidal, huge puppeteer. He, after the show, he said, "Can I speak to you three? Uh, and we we thought he was going to say how much fun it was. He said, "You know, it's really really hard to get into working with you guys, and I'm going to tell everybody not to work with you because it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's really really hard." He was so mad at us. Oh my god! Because we we were like uh, we were accidentally bastards. We didn't include him, I guess, in a way. Uh -huh. I mean, even we brought him on stage, but we still didn't include him because he wasn't with us. We were in a different speed. Right, right, I'm not saying it was right. a better speed, though it right. probably was. But we were—it was—it was just a different. We were on different. He was 78, and we were 33 and a third. Right, yeah. right. Uh, and you look at—I I look at people like that, and I always feel like uh, I don't need to hear what you just told me. Right, right. Think it, baby. Right, exactly. <laughs> Use your inside your head voice. Yeah. Well, in the same. At first, we felt bad, but. Not that bad, and, and like when we took our subway together, it kind of, um, I don't know if we articulated. When you took what? We took our subway home together. Subway home together. Subway in Toronto, uh -huh. our Toronto subway. Right. Um, there was a feeling that, uh, that that was good that no one could work with the three of us, uh -huh. that, that it was just the three of us, and then we were on the right track. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, let's end on that sad note. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Today's episode was sponsored by GoDaddy. Thinking about starting a new website? GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code ADDCOMEDY at checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website, ADDCOMEDY.com. Hello, ADD Comedy Podcast listeners. Dave Rosowski here. First off, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And second off, if you've ever wanted to take a class with me but thought, Gosh, I don't think I'll ever be around where David is. Know that you can now take the virtual class at iActing. Just check our website out, and there's a link there. Click on that link, and that will set you up. you got to do a little hunting, but I think that it's well worth it. We'll hear you in your ears. Bye. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrosowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.